Here we go. It's time to party right here. Three two. electrifying at bats of the season and I mean anywhere in the major leagues Mookie Betts slaughters a grand slam what's up everyone welcome back to Sabercast this is episode four I did take a week off last week um, I just didn't think that I would be able to turn out a long enough episode for you guys for it to be worth it and I was pretty busy last weekend BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. But I'm back now, and we have a lot to cover. A lot has happened over the past couple weeks in baseball, and we are going to dive right into it. So today, we're going to be talking about Starling Marte being traded to the Diamondbacks. We're going to be talking about Nick Castellanos signing a four-year deal with the Cincinnati Reds. We're going to be talking about the Mookie Betts and David Price trade. Um, Both of them heading over to the L.A. Dodgers. And in a separate trade for the Dodgers, they sent Jock Peterson to the Los Angeles Angels, as well as Ross Stripling. And we're going to be touching a little bit on Dusty Baker being hired by the Houston Astros. So, I think it's going to be a good episode today. So just sit back, enjoy, and let's hop right in. So a couple of weeks ago, Starling Marte was traded from the Pittsburgh Pirates to the Arizona Diamondbacks. And in return, the Pirates got shortstop... Leover Piguero, I'm not 100% sure if that's how you pronounce it, and starting pitcher Brennan Malone. So I don't know much about Piguero, obviously, or Piguero, however you pronounce it. I know Malone was drafted last year by the Diamondbacks in the comp round, and I thought that the Cardinals should maybe had their eye on him for their first round pick last year. They ended up taking Zach Thompson, though. But Malone seems to have some promise. Obviously, the big piece in this trade, though, was Starling Marte heading to the Diamondbacks, and that is going to fill out a pretty stacked offense, if we're being totally honest here. I mean, they just added Cole Calhoun earlier in the offseason. They still have Cattell Marte, so now they have Starling Marte and Cattell Marte. You know, Eduardo Escobar in that lineup, Carson Kelly, Christian Walker, David Peralta, Nick Ahmed. You know, that's a, a pretty darn good lineup if you're if you're looking at it on paper. 
Um, if you take a look at Starling Marte's stats over the past two years, 2018 and 19, he has slashed 286, 335, and 482, that being batting average on base and slugging. And then that adds up to an 816 OPS, a 345 Woba, 116 weighted runs created plus, strikes out at a rate of 17%, and walks at a rate of 10.1%. Defensively, he's not very good. He's pretty below average. Over the past two seasons, he's accumulated a negative 4.4 ultimate zone rating and a negative 8 defensive run saved. But despite that, his offensive numbers have been enough for him to put up a 6.7 Fangraphs war over the past two years. So I think that the Diamondbacks are definitely going to be pushing for a wild card spot. They definitely overachieved this past season. Um, they surprised a lot by winning more games, I guess, than people expected them to. So I think that they are going to continue to try to push in that semi-contending direction. And, you know, it'd be interesting to see if they can maybe push for a wild card because there's a lot of teams in the NL, I think, that could be vying for a wild card spot in 2020. Looking at it from the Pittsburgh Pirates' perspective, in terms of who they got in return, um, we obviously said already Peguero and Malone. If you take a look at Leover Peguero's, sorry, I keep mispronouncing it. I know I probably am. If you take a look at his stats last year in rookie ball and single A short season, he slashed with a batting average of 313 and on base of 372. He slugged 458 and those added up to an 830 OPS. He had a 390 Woba, a 127 weighted runs created plus, strikes out at a rate of 20.1%, walks at a rate of 8.2%, and then they don't have advanced defensive statistics in the minors. So I'm just going to throw in that he had 138 assists and 13 errors in 478 innings in 2019. So it seems like they're getting a pretty decent young shortstop in Peguero. You know, obviously the Pirates need to just completely tear down and add more prospects, add more young talent that they can develop in the next few years because they're not going to contend in the Central or pretty much if they were in any division, they wouldn't be able to contend for the next few seasons. And they also got Brennan Malone, the pitcher, and he spent the entirety of 2019 in rookie ball which really wasn't an entirety of a season. He only pitched seven innings in 2019 with a 5.14 ERA, 4.41 FIP, 5.34 XFIP, and a 1.4 strikeouts per walk. So those numbers, I mean, over seven innings, you can't really determine anything by it. We really haven't seen a full season out of him to determine um, how much promise he has because it's such a small sample size that those numbers are just going to be super random and you can't really tell anything off of that so I do think that Malone has some talent I think that Peguero has some talent I think that the Pirates definitely got back a pretty good return for Marte who was going to be traded anyways so yeah that's my thoughts on the Marte trade to the Diamondbacks Nicholas Castellanos has signed with the Cincinnati Reds for four years $64 million, that was the contract he signed a couple of weeks ago. If you take a look at his stats over the past two seasons, 2018 and 19, he's had a 294 batting average, a 346 on base, 
513 slug and those add up to a 858 OPS. He's had a 360 Woba, 126 weighted runs created plus. Strikes out at a rate of 21.9%, walks at a rate of 6.7%. Defensively, he is honestly garbage. Over the past two seasons, he's accumulated a negative 18.1 ultimate zone rating and negative 28 defensive runs saved. And all in all, he has had a 5.8 Fangraphs war since 2018. Now, I'm a Cardinals fan. I'm going to try to keep this unbiased, um, as unbiased as possible at least, but I'm not a huge fan of the signing for Cincinnati. And here's why. The Reds at the deadline or around the deadline last year obviously made the deal to send Yasiel Puig, who they had just traded for the previous offseason. They sent Yasiel Puig to Cleveland in a three-team deal. They ended up getting Trevor Bauer back from the Indians. And I just thought it was funny that if you take a look on Fangraphs, the steamer projections predict Castellanos to have a worse season than Yasiel Puig, whom they just traded. And then they obviously gave Castellanos $16 million a year over the next four years. Now, I will add that that contract does have a player option after the first year. So after 2020, if Castellanos wants to opt out of that deal, he will be a free agent again. That's one reason why I'm not a huge fan of the Castellanos signing. I don't think they got sufficiently better than what they had with Yasiel Puig. Um, and they gave Castellanos a boatload more of money. It'll be interesting to see what Puig gets once he signs with the team. Um, I'm honestly surprised that he hasn't been signed yet, but we will keep an eye on that. And the other main reason for the Reds is that this really creates a big logjam in the outfield at the major league level for them. They have five guys at the moment who are very capable of playing outfield every day in Shogo Akiyama, who they just signed out of Japan, Aristides Aquino, who had a breakout rookie season in 2019, Jesse Winker, Nick Castellanos, obviously, who they just signed, and the young Nick Senzel. (laughs) Now, I wouldn't be surprised if they put Senzel at second base and um, took away that option of keeping him in the outfield, or if they even just traded Senzel, but I doubt that'll end up happening at this point. And that leaves Akiyama, Aquino, Winker, and Castellanos bidding for three outfield spots. If I had to guess who they would leave on the bench, um, my guess would be probably Aristides Aquino, and then they would have Akiyama, Winker, and Castellanos in the outfield. So that would be my guess as to what's going to happen. It'll be interesting to see how the Reds handle it. I'm sure a lot of Reds fans agree with me on that being the case with the whole outfield debate, but so it just raises some questions really is the only concern. I mean, it's not anything too serious. Like I just said, it'll probably be sorted out um, before spring training starts, but it's just something to keep an eye on. Just something that made me think a little bit, but I'm sure it's not too serious of a debate. So those are my thoughts on the Castellanos to the Reds signing and we'll move on. So Mookie Betts and David Price are headed to the LA Dodgers in a three-team trade with the Minnesota Twins and the Boston Red Sox. In a three-team trade with the Minnesota Twins and the Boston Red Sox, you knew that the Red Sox were going to end up dumping Betts and Price. They want to get under that luxury tax. They don't want to have to pay extra for being over it. 
So it's pretty much inevitable that they would trade bets. And even though that the Dodgers have been rumored to be the favorites to land him all offseason, it was still such a big surprise when the news broke earlier this past week. It just made you realize, man, this Dodgers lineup is going to be absolutely loaded. So if you take a look at Betts' stats over the past two seasons, 2018-19, he had a 321 batting average, 415 on base, which is ridiculous. He had a 321 batting average of 415 on base, slugged 582, and those add up to a 997 OPS. He's had a 415 Woba, 160 weighted runs created plus, strikes out at a rate of 14.6%, walks at a rate of 13.5%. And defensively, he is elite. He is almost as good as it gets out there in the outfield, putting up a 29.4 ultimate zone rating, a 35 defensive runs saved and a 17 Fangraphs war over the past two seasons. Obviously, Betts had a like a 10.4 or 10.6 war in 2018 when he won the American League MVP. Um, in my opinion, Betts is probably the second best player in baseball besides Trout, um, and then you could probably go Yelich and maybe Judge Bellinger round out that top five, but Betts, elite top three player in baseball, and it's just ridiculous that this Dodgers team that was already expected to maybe win upwards of 100 games just got even better. I mean, it's ridiculous. And they also added David Price. Over the past two seasons, David Price has had a 3.93 ERA, a 3.82 FIP, 3.84 XFIP, 3.84 Sierra. He has a 3.77 strikeouts per walk and a 4.7 Fangraphs war. That's all over the past two seasons. Um, So yeah, they just added David Price as well to that rotation, which is already lethal. And the Dodgers are just so scary, man. How can you not take the Dodgers to come out of the National League at this point? I don't think that the Braves will be able to contend with them. I definitely don't think the Cardinals will be able to contend with them. Unless somebody has another magical season like the Nationals did last year. I mean, you can't really argue against the Dodgers coming out of the National League. In the deal, Minnesota acquired Kenta Maeda from the Los Angeles Dodgers. And the Red Sox acquired Alex Verdugo from the Los Angeles Dodgers and Bruce Dargratterall from the Minnesota Twins. I think that the Dodgers got away with not trading Gavin Lux or Dustin May. I'm not sure why the Red Sox wouldn't have immediately asked for those two. Maybe they did, but it seems like Verdugo might be a bit lower in terms of value than those two that I just named. I think that Verdugo is going to be a very good player. I don't think that Verdugo is bad in any means. I think Verdugo is going to be very, very good in the future. And um, Red Sox fans should be excited about that. But anyways, yeah, that was the big news that broke earlier this week. And I am 100% terrified of the LA Dodgers. That same night, around the exact same time that the Betts trade broke, Jock Peterson was traded from the Los Angeles Dodgers to the Los Angeles Angels, along with Ross Stripling, in return for Luis Renjifo, I think is how you pronounce it. Um... Complete steal for the Angels. They got an all-star capable player of in Jock Peterson and a decent starting pitcher in Ross Stripling 
in exchange for a player who had an 86 weighted runs created plus in 125 plate appearances in 2019. I mean, I don't know what the Dodgers were thinking in this one. They did not get a sufficient return at all, in my opinion. Jock Peterson is elite. He's not up there with the best of the best, obviously. He's probably not even second tier of outfielders. Well, he might be second tier. He's probably second or third tier in terms of outfielders in the majors. Definitely capable of producing power numbers like he's shown over the past two years, in which he's had a 249 batting average, 330 on base, a 530 slug, and an 860 OPS. He's had a 358 Woba, a 127 weighted runs created plus, strikes out at a rate of 20.4% and walks at a rate of 9.4%. Defensively, he's honestly pretty good. Um, he can hold his own out there in the outfield with a 6.4 UZR, 12 DRS over the past two seasons and a 5.7 Fangraphs war. So I definitely think the Angels completely robbed the Dodgers in this deal. I don't know what the Dodgers were thinking. Seemed a bit random. And at the time, both of the trades, the Betts trade and the Peterson trade, were breaking at the same time. And there was so much confusion about, you know, who was the third team involved in the Red Sox-Dodgers deal. Because it was unknown who the third team was at the time. It was just known that it was Dodgers, Red Sox, and a third team. Nobody knew it was the Twins yet. So was it the Angels that people were thinking it was? Um, people were definitely thinking it was the Angels um, until it broke that it was the Twins. And it just created a lot of confusion, and it was a very chaotic night that night. I think it was Thursday um, that that all went down. If you want to talk about this potential Dodgers lineup that you're going to see in 2020, um, I'm going to read off to you their position-by-position Guys, probably starters, with their 2020 steamer projected weighted runs created plus. So at catcher, you got Will Smith, the young guy who is probably already a top 10 catcher in baseball. He's projected to have a 95 weighted runs created plus. At first base, you got all-star Max Muncy, who's projected to have a 118 weighted runs created plus. Second base, you got the young Gavin Lux, who they got away with not getting rid of in the Betts deal. Projected 102, weighted runs created plus. At third base, you got Justin Turner, who just seems to still be good and underrated every single year. He's projected to have a 125, weighted runs created plus in 2020. At shortstop, you got Corey Seager, who has been in some trade talks. Possibly the Reds have been interested in him, but it seems like he is in L.A., to stay for 2020. He's projected to have a 117 WRC+. plus. In left field, they got A.J. Pollock, who, if he can stay healthy, is definitely capable of producing a decent amount of offense. He's projected to have a 100-weighted runs created plus. Center field, you got the MVP, Cody Bellinger, who is a top-five player in baseball, like we've talked about, projected to have a 147-weighted runs created plus. And in right field, they got Mookie Betts, 131 weighted runs created plus projected by steamer in 2020 so they just added a top three player in the league to their already maybe nl best lineup their first guy off the bench probably will be kike hernandez who's projected to have a 102 weighted runs created plus he's like an ideal utility guy off the bench that can just come in and rake i mean the dude can mash definitely looking forward to seeing what he can do in 2020 
That rotation is absolute filth as well. You got Walker Buehler at the head, who is maybe one of the most underrated pitchers in baseball. He has such a bright future. Oh, man, he is ridiculously good. They got David Price, who they just traded for. Clayton Kershaw still going strong. Dustin May, young guy. Tony Gonsolin, young guy. That rotation right there, Bueller, Price, Kershaw, May, Gonsolin. I mean, you might not have to go to your bullpen, but for two or three innings a night, when you got those five guys towing the rubber day in and day out. And if you do have to go to your bullpen, you got Kenley Jansen at the back end of it, who is probably going to bounce back and have an elite 2020. You got Joe Kelly, who is one of the best relievers in baseball, in my opinion. He's got electric stuff. And, you know, (laughs) what else can be said except the Dodgers are so scary, man. I would be terrified to play them. There's no way. I don't think... I don't see them winning less than 102, 103 games in 2020. So, I mean, look out National League. I definitely will be as a Cardinals fan. I will be terrified to play them in the playoffs. So we will see how that team performs in 2020 and beyond. The final little thing I wanted to touch on was Dusty Baker being hired by the Houston Astros. The Astros finally have their manager after, of course, firing A.J. Hinch. It's definitely an interesting hire, in my opinion. Um, The Astros being one of the more, you know, analytically based organizations in baseball. At least they were under Jeff Luna, who's no longer there. Um, And then you go with an old school, you know, rough and tough kind of manager like Dusty Baker. Bringing him in, toothpick in his mouth at all times. It's just an interesting hire, but I, I think that he will do a good enough job to keep this... Astros team is the favorite to win the AL West. They obviously still have so much talent on that team with, you know, Altuve, Springer, Correa, Bregman, Gurriel, Brantley, Reddick, Alvarez. It's it's ridiculous. Even after they lost Cole, they still got Verlander and Granke and McCullers is going to be coming back. They got Osuna, Davinsky in their bullpen. I mean, they're still probably favorites to at least make it to the ALCS. Anyways, yeah, Dusty Baker, the new manager of the Houston Astros. Um, Interesting hire, but I kind of like it. And I will be very interested to see how the Astros season pans out under him. So I think that's going to wrap things up here for episode four. Once again, I'm sorry I couldn't get an episode out last week. I was very busy and nothing was really going on that was worth making an episode for besides Marte and Castellanos but I couldn't really just talk about two things in the episode or else it would have been five or ten minutes long. So I hope you guys enjoyed listening to episode four. I will try to get back on my schedule of uploading every Saturday. And pitchers and catchers report this upcoming week. That is so, so exciting. And then the following week or the the week after that, I'm not 100% sure, we have spring training actually it'd be february 22nd so two weeks from today is the first spring training game of 2020 which makes me so incredibly happy man baseball is finally back super bowl is over basketball coming to a close hockey coming to a close well those two are kind of coming to a close obviously we still have about a, a quarter of the season a third of the season left and then the playoffs but 
my mind is getting into a baseball mode right about now, and I am so excited for 2020. Next episode will probably be some predictions for spring training, maybe some bold predictions that I'll talk about, and if anything else happens this next week, I'll be covering that, obviously, in next, next week's episode, and from there, we will be given some projections, predictions for how the season's going to shape up for some teams, standings-wise, awards-wise, playoffs-wise, so stay tuned. We got a lot to cover in the next couple of weeks. I'm very excited to keep turning these out for you guys. I hope you guys enjoy listening to them. So that's going to do it for me for episode four of SaberCast.